Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. Good morning, everybody. It is, uh, it's an honor uh, and a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, we are excited um, God's done some really fun stuff in our lives, and um, we're excited to share um, with what he's been doing. And uh, we are, uh, like Drew mentioned, we are starting a church, um, and we're doing it out of a donut shop. Um, neither of those things have been created yet, uh, so we are working on those right now, and it's been really fun. Um, one of the things that we realized early on in our process is that um, we want to be 100% focused on what God is doing in the community. Um, and so that's why we want to um, open up a donut shop. But the heartbeat of it is that we want to help fathers be present in the lives of their kids. Um, we see fatherlessness as one of the biggest problems in um, America, um, in our communities, um, and, and you look around the world. Um, and really, when we take away um, the father, we've really destroyed a lot of what the family um, is, is supposed to be. So um, we, uh, we've, we're jumping in 100% into this, um, chasing God and, and what he's called us to do. So um, early on, we said, what are we going to be about? What's our mission? What's the, um, what's the phrase that we're going to come back to and say, this is who we are? Um, and I want to share this with you this morning um, because it, it's what we do. Um, we want to be 100%. Um, we want to reveal hope um, eliminate excuses for people in our community to think that God does not love them. Um, when we think about who we are, at the end of the day, who's Hope Church and, and, and Dad's Donuts? Um, we're people who reveal hope. We eliminate excuses um, for people in our community to think that God doesn't love them. Um, and so I want to take you through um, some scripture today um, of how we, uh, how we think, how we work, um, and, and what God's been doing in our lives. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew 9. Um, we're going to Matthew 9. This will be kind of the bulk of where we're going. Um, we'll, we'll veer off just a little bit and come back. Um, but Matthew 9 is where we'll be at today. Um, so if you've got your Bible, go ahead and grab that. Uh, I'm going to read um, from Matthew 9, verse 9. This is where we're going to look at. This has been one of the passages of Scripture that, um, that has really been, for me, uh, an anchor. Um, one of my anchor verses, um, stories in the Bible. Um, and so this is what it says, Matthew 9. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew uh, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, uh, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Uh, so immediately right here, in case you didn't know, uh, Matthew, as a tax collector, tax collectors were like hated. Nobody liked tax collectors because they usually lied um, and they were bad dudes. Um, and so here comes Jesus and he goes to a really um, unworthy and everybody is around, everybody in that community would say, this guy's unworthy of something as great as following Jesus. Um, but yet Jesus goes to him and says, I want you to follow me. I want you to be one of my disciples. And then it says in, in verse 10, it says, later Matthew invited Jesus Pretty cool. Matthew invites Jesus. He recognizes the difference that Jesus has made, and he says, I want to invite you into my space. Invited Jesus and his disciples to come to his home after, uh, as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But the Pharisees saw this. The Pharisees were like the religious people of the day saw this and they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? 
when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn what this scripture means. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. I have not come to, those, to call those um, who think that they're righteous, but I have come for those who know that they're sinners. So um, when you think about this story and, and when I think about what we're doing, um, the first thing that really boils down to is that we are, um, we are thinking outside of the box. Um, and yes, that's kind of a donut joke. Really was just like, yeah, we're, we're very much out of the box. Like we're not thinking typical um, structures of way we would do things. We, we really want to be out of the box. Um, you know, when I was a kid, um, I thought that a missionary was somebody who went to Africa. Uh, and I will 100% tell you that um, I do not like Africa. And let me, before you jump to conclusions, let me tell you why. In Africa, there are snakes, okay? And as a child, um, I actually have this, this memory where I was running, um, I was in the field, or not a field, I was in, in trees, and, and we had like a lot of land when I was growing up. And I, w I remember God saying, um, Tom, I want you to go in and be a missionary. And I remember running from God and saying, no, I'm not doing this. No, I'm not doing this because I thought that um, that meant I was going to Africa and that meant there's snakes in Africa and I was going to get bitten. Um, I'm sorry, I hate snakes. Like snakes are the worst things ever. Um, probably because I grew up in church and we learned about the, the snake and, and, uh, in, in Genesis and like that just it scared me. Like I thought it, the devil, and I don't know. But I hate snakes still to this day. Don't bring a snake near me. We will not be friends. So, um, so yeah, we, uh, I, I thought that. And so that, was, that scared me. I said, God, I will do anything. Whatever you want me to do, just don't send me to Africa. So I know that at some point in my life, I'm going to Africa. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Um, but like I said, I told God, God, I'll do whatever you want. Just don't send me there. Um, he's held up to his end of the deal. I've held up to mine. So right now, we're great. Um, we're really, really good. Um, but that was, that was an experience that I had um, that really shaped um, for me uh, what God was calling us to do. I knew God was calling us to be um, mission, to be missionary. For a lot of times, that looked like I was in church as a youth pastor, um, and I was in youth ministry for 10 years, um, and that was what God called me to do, so that's what I did. Um, and you know, when I was in college, um, my wife and I um, were, were attending uh, Kingswood University up in, uh, in Canada, and, um, and we were up there, and there was this week where um, they brought everybody in to, uh, to, together to share about missions and global missions. And, you know, everybody should be a missionary, which I believe everybody is a missionary. Um, but their thing was, you've got to go to this far-reached people, um, people group. And, um, and I remember looking at the American flag saying, man, that is the people God's called me to be a missionary to. Um, those are the people that God says, um, for me, um, that he wants me to reveal his presence to. Um, I, I could not take my eyes off that flag um, because I knew that was where God was calling me to be. And I'll tell you right here, I'll give you a little hint to why I think that is, um, but it's because God placed me here. God placed us here. And so wh what better place for us to be missionaries than in the place that we are? Um, I did a lot of overseas mission trips. I shouldn't say a lot. I did a couple overseas mission trips when I was in high school. Um, I went to Jamaica and I went to Ecuador and I learned something um, on those trips. It's really easy, uh, it's really easy to go and be a missionary for a week, right? Like really easy. 
You know, and then you can come back and tell everybody, man, I'm just so thankful for all that God blessed us here. Well, really, that just means that, like, we haven't taken the time to invest here and see through God's missionary lens of what he wants to do here in our own community. Because it's easy to go, and with that, mi that missions mindset, it's real easy to go somewhere and do one thing for a week and then come back and live just like you did before. Um, you know, I grew up in church. Um, I did a lot in, in church, and, um, and I, one thing I kept noticing was that churches are, for the most part, empty six days a week, and everybody comes together for an hour or two on Sunday. And we looked at our shop and, and, and what God's calling us to, and we said, you know, man, what if we were a place that was um, living and breathing community, and people every single day were walking in, um, and they got to experience a place that was different. I'm a place where hope is found every single day. And it's not that we're going to stand and preach the gospel every single day, but, um, but boy, who, what are we going to do? We're going to love people every single day. Um, we're going to invest in people and see um, genuine relationships built, um, just like God builds a genuine relationship with us every single day. Um, we're, we want to flip the script and be open six days a week um, and rest for a day. Um, you know, coming down here, uh, a lot of people, I'm from Buffalo, New York. My wife and I have been in Buffalo, New York for the past 10 years, um, and, or not 10 years, 9 years. And, uh, and, and we were in Buffalo, and, um, and we were up there, and a lot of people were giving us pushback, saying, well, well the South is full of churches. Like, there's, everybody's a Christian down there. Like, it's the Bible Belt. Um, and I've come to realize that this is not exactly true. Like, yes, the, the, there are buildings everywhere. Right? I mean, there are church buildings everywhere. And, and I'll just give you a little insider hint, because I didn't know this coming in, and I took some trips to Savannah, and we're like, boy, this is really weird. All the churches are built together. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Um, and so, like, we were, we're like, no, let's get right in the community. Let's be right where the people are. Um, and, and, and we have found that God, there is so much more to do um, here in the South. Um, and, and the door is, is it's wide open. Um, there is people that need the hope that we have in Jesus right here in our area. You guys have been learning. Um, you went through this um, this passage this week uh, in Acts one eight, um, where you were thinking about and reading through Acts one eight, and um, the verse there that you read talked about how um, they, the disciples were sent out from um, Jerusalem to Judea to the rest of the world. Um, we're kind of like we think about ourselves as like Jerusalem. Like, not like the, not like we're in Jerusalem, but we're where God placed us. That's where we want to be. Um, and, and then we'll go out from there. Uh, and the second thing is that we're, we, we really are people of hope. Um, if you look later on in uh, Matthew 9, um, it says in, uh, in verse 35, it says, Jesus traveled uh, throughout all the towns and the villages in the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Excuse me. He healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I don't know a better picture of our world right now and our state of our country than this. People who are confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, let's be real here. This, it, there are so many people who are confused. They won't say they're helpless. They think they've got it all together. Um, but, but 
We know that without Christ, yeah, we're helpless and we are a sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers into the fields. And when I read this passage, I gotta be real with you, I think about how as, as people who have said, you know, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to follow Jesus, um, and I'm going to live as a missionary, I'm going to love people in our community, I'm gonna just start with my neighbor, I'm gonna get to know my neighbor and love my neighbor, you are answering that prayer. Jesus told his followers to pray that God would send more people into the community because the harvest was great, but the workers were few. So if you say, Jesus, I, I'm following you, I, um, I'm surrendering my life to you, I'm gonna live um, the way that you've called me to live, you are answering that prayer. Isn't that kind of cool? that you get to be a part of answering the prayer that God told his disciples to pray, that God tells us, invites us to pray um, as we say, yes, God, I will step out and I will go and I will live as hope in the field. Uh, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in church. I was in, um, we were at a church for uh, nine years in Buffalo. Um, they made one critical move uh, in, in my experience there that really changed a lot for me. Um, in my last year there, they took all of the offices and they were all like upstairs and, uh, and, and very visible and they took them down and they put all the offices in the basement. And, um, and we're sitting down in this basement and all of a sudden they made this new rule, you can't bring people down to the office. And I'm like, and it really began to, um, to affect me because when I was upstairs and I had a, an office that was very visible, um, there were two times where I had people who could see me at work, um, who I was just working away. They came in and they said, I need uh, one person. They said, um, I just made a terrible mistake with my family um, and I need, I need to confess it. I need to, my wife, she has this great relationship with Christ. I need a relationship with Christ. And I got to pray with this guy um, to, to receive Christ, to totally surrender his life um, for what God was, what he could see in his wife. Um, he wanted that relationship. He wanted that transformation. And so um, I got to pray with him and, and see God at work in his life. And that happened other times. And so I really began to realize hope does not hide. Hope is visible. Hope is available. Um, and so uh, we, we want to be people who are um, available for what God wants to do and live that way. Um, but here's the kicker for some of us in this room. Um, we have to remember that before we can give hope away, we have to receive it, right? Like we have to receive the hope that God has um, for us. We have to surrender our lives. We have to be vulnerable before him and say, God, I don't have everything figured out. Um, I need you. I need a relationship with you before I can do anything in this world. You know, great people, we, uh, sometimes we see things, and we're like, man, I want to be like that person. I want to be a great person like them. Great people are the ones who know that they're weak and admit that they need Jesus, who are humble enough to say, God, I don't have this figured out. I need you. When we start living that way, then we start to experience the hope 
that is found only in Jesus. So we are out of the box, um, just like donuts should be out of the box. Uh, we are hope. Um, we are filled with hope. And the last thing is that we're, um, we're, we're present. We're present. Um, I used to think uh, that, that God was really far away. Uh, and I've come to realize that he's not. He is very close. He is so close to us. As close as we will recognize, as close as we will allow him to be, he is there. Growing up, um, I had a father who was um, busy. We'll just say he was busy. He was always at work. He worked probably 60 to 70 hours a week, um, and included in that time was an hour commute um, back and forth to work. He was always um, working. And when he wasn't working, um, oftentimes he was angry. Um, so he was working, or he was home, and he was upset. And, and it was just, it was a rough, a rough time growing up. Um, you know, as a father, I've learned that kids spell love, T-I-M-E, right? That's how kids spell love. When you spend time with them, they recognize that you love them. Um, it's weird, but that's how it happens. Um, and, and I remember one day I was driving to work and I was, uh, I was yelling at God. And, and I encourage you, you should have a real honest relationship with God where you can, you can yell um, because he listens um, and he talks back. And, um, and there's, been, there's been two times where I audibly heard God speak um, to me. And this was one of them. I was driving, I was yelling. I was like, God, where was my dad growing up? Because I was frustrated. Um, I was upset. Um, and... and I'd had it. Uh, I was yelling at God, God, where was he? Um, why wasn't he there? Why didn't he care? Why did he always try to buy my love um, instead of just spending time with me? And I'm not getting angry all the time. And I heard God say, um, Tom, every time your father wasn't what you wanted him to be, I, God, not me, God was there um, being everything that you needed me to be. Every time your dad was not who you wanted him to be, our Heavenly Father was there, present in my life. And I, and I had, you know, like you have those flashbacks, moments. You're like, yeah, you're right. Like, since I was three, I had a relationship with Christ. I had uh, my mother who led and guided me a lot of times in those um, formative years to follow Jesus, to see how um, a relationship with Christ is real. Um, I had people like Gary who took me to the city when, um, when I was in high school, early on in high school, um, and he took me to the city where he invested in me and showed me what it means to serve. Um, I had um, pastors and I had Christian uh, leaders who are around me to remind me that, that God is not um, like my father, that God is my father. I had a conversation with a guy named, uh, uh, I'll change his name, Dex. Because <laughs> I think this is being recorded or whatever. But I had, uh, <laughs> I had a conversation with a guy last week, and I was, I was talking to him about, um, you know, that experience with my dad taught me something. And it was this. It was, you know, either my dad um, and his relationship with Christ was the right way to go, or there's something so much better and even in the good moments of what I saw in my dad, that God had so much more, right? I mean, because that's the truth. It's either, it's either yes, this, this, this 
awfulness that we see and have experienced, or it's um, what God has to offer is so true and so much better, and they just missed it. They just missed it. God is not like your father. He is your father. And so all of those experiences um, taught me uh, seven years ago, it was probably eight years ago now, um, my wife, she had a part-time job, and, uh, and she needed to work one day. And so her um, one day that she worked was Wednesdays. And so Wednesday, um, I had all of the kids. Uh, and at that time, it was just two. So all of the kids, we have four now, um, but all of the kids meant two, and I didn't know what to do with them. Um, when, I sp when I talk about how um, the, the issue of fatherlessness, I think so many dads were like me, you get handed your kids and you're like, I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> like, because the models that we've, um, we've grown up with, the experiences we've grown up with, um, didn't teach us that. They taught us how to go to work um, and kind of li leave everything behind. And so here I was, uh, I've got two kids, I drop my wife off at work, and then I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, let's go get donuts. And so we went and we got donuts. Um, but it was, this, it was the beginning of um, this incredible rhythm that we developed where we would go get donuts and then go to the library and then go to the playground um, and we began to develop these rhythms of like, hey, like we can have a good time together. It's not totally scary. Um, and, uh, and, and, we, and we started doing that. And so every week I'd take a picture. Um, and so I have a picture of, of my kids eating donuts for the past seven years. Once a week, um, we, we took a picture and, uh, and it's just this cool, incredible memory uh, for, and here's why, I, here's why I did it, because of my upbringing. Um, I, I look back and I go, really, where was my dad? Um, and I started the pictures because I said, I want my kids to look back and when, if they ever ask that question, where was my dad? I want them every, um, I want them to have a, a photo of every week that we were together, the memories that we made together um, because, uh, because we were there. Because we had a, um, we spent that time together. So um, I started posting those pictures, and, and that led to, um, that led to, you know, uh, we started a, um, a, a dad's group, um, a group where dads got together, and, and we read scriptures together, and we talked about life together. Um, we began to see um, people saying, hey, you know, thank you for um, inviting my husband to be a part of this. Um, I, had, I had wives, I had a couple um, ladies um, stop me in the hallway and say, listen, my dad, or my, my dad, my kid's dad, my husband has nobody. Nobody in their life. No other men in their life um, who are their friends, um, who love Jesus, um, and who care about them. Can he join your group? And I really began to see this is a, this is a big deal. We, um, there might be more to what I was doing in youth ministry. Um, God might be calling us on to something more. Um, and then, uh, last year, um, we were we have been working um, worked at that church for nine years, and uh, they brought us into the office and said, "Hey, um, we don't have a position for you anymore." And we're like, "Oh boy, <laughs> what are we doing here? What's going to happen?" Um, and God began to remind me of conversations that I had about starting a donut shop and. Um, being there for fathers and helping inspire fathers to be present in the lives of kids um, in their families 
Uh, and really, God began to say, uh, you know, this is something you should do. And I began to tell people, um, and maybe you've been like me, you tell people, do whatever you would do if you could not fail at something, right? Like, chase your dreams. Chase your dreams. Do it. Um, and, and so I began telling people, man, if I could do one thing and not fail at it, I would open up a donut shop um, that helped um, end fatherlessness, um, and we would run a church out of it. And then I began to realize, wait a second, I'm not living the hope that I'm sharing. And so um, that caused me to, like, just go, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. And so, so we've been chasing that dream. Um, I'll tell you real quick, we, uh, we ended up in Savannah because of a couple things. Um, the first one was my dad had a double lung transplant, um, and the doctors told him, best thing for you to do would be to go south. Um, we had been feeling a call to come to the south, um, because Buffalo is just so cold, and <laughs> yeah, it's cold, really cold, um, and, uh, and so we, we were just sensing this, this call to come down south. We'd felt it a couple years before, um, and we said, no, it's not the right time. There were some people that we were praying for, lives that we had invested in, and we, were, we had genuine relationships with people, um, and we said, no, God is not calling us to leave those people yet. My last day on staff at that church, um, we got to baptize one of the reasons why we didn't leave when we did. Um, and God was just um, confirming and affirming all that we had been doing. Um, it was an incredible, incredible story. So, um, so we, we knew we were coming south. We didn't know where. Um, we began to look at areas. My wife um, said, and, and, I, and I really thought it was... Um, it was, it was something that worth holding on to. She said, we need to go to a place that doesn't have a Wesleyan church. Um, and like, I was like, okay, <laughs> that seems right. Like, why would we go to some place where there's already other, um, you know, gospel-centered churches, in, like the Wesleyan church and the things we've experienced? We're like, let's do it. So that, there's, no, there's nothing in Savannah. So we were like, let's go to Savannah. Um, and we had a, Savannah and a couple areas um, picked out. And then we looked at the demographics for Savannah. And we noticed that almost 50% of the homes in Savannah are single-parent homes. Um, and we said, boy, if God's calling us to end fatherlessness, uh, that is a demographic that we should look at. And that is a problem that we should help solve. Um, and so uh, that, was, uh, that was what sent us in that direction. And then God began opening doors um, I'll just tell you real quick, um, we didn't think that we would be able to um, get a house. We had a lot of people telling us, don't buy a house, we should rent for a year. And then we started looking at the rent prices, and they're like $1,000 a month. And we're like, well, where's this money going to come from? <laughs> and so um, we, uh, we just kept praying and kept asking God um, and, and following his lead. You know, one thing I've learned in this whole process is that um, God is not in a hurry more than we are. A lot of times we're the ones saying, God, why isn't this finished yet? God, why aren't we growing? God, why aren't we doing this? And he's like, would you just be like, a, just hang on, just trust me. <laughs> he's got it. We can just trust him. Um, and he is already at work doing incredible things. Um, and so uh, we, we got a house um, in a lot of people that we've told where we live, that lived in Savannah, they're like, this is the best area you can live in. The house we got, um, we bought, for um, $10,000 less than it was appraised for. Um, and, and we've just been able to see God at work over and over and over again. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you heard about our story. Um, we, our van broke down. 
we didn't have any vehicle. Like we, we have two vehicles. We're like, man, God, what are we going to do? And began praying and asking God, um, God, would you be present in this situation? And God provided a woman to um, just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy you a vehicle. I've, I've had like four conversations with this woman. Um, and, and she was like, I, I know God's telling me to buy you a vehicle. Um, and so we drove up today in a van that, um, that is just 100% a miracle from God. Um, he is so faithful. When we are willing to surrender our lives and say, God, um, this, is, this is what I've got. You can do more with it than I can. Um, he will be faithful to lead and to guide you um, if, we're, if we're willing to surrender, stay humble, and follow him. Um, so at the end of the day, who are we? We're people that are living outside the box. Um, we're full of hope, and we want to be 100% present in our community um, so that we can uh, eliminate excuses, reveal hope for people in our community who think that God does not love them. So let me pray, um, and then we're going to do something fun. God, you are faithful, um, and I thank you for the stories and the testimony um, of your faithfulness in our lives. God, because I know that when I speak about stories um, and faithfulness in our lives, that God, you are doing and you are at work in writing um, stories in the, the people who can hear in our lives. And Lord, we pray, um, God, that you would um, just remind us of the hope that you have that is only found in you. Lord, let us take the gifts and the talents that we've been given, um, and God, and, 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 and put them through the lens of your hope um, and allow us to live present wherever we are. God, because you're there, help us to reveal how you are already at work. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.